0: Hello, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward
1: Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin.
2: And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theater writer and dramaturg.
1: I'm Jen Ophoff-Grey, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theater from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theater in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 63 of Theatre Forward. All right. Good to be here. So we are back with another installment of The Plays That Stay, personal stories from some of our favorite theater artists about the productions that have stuck with them. Up first is stage manager extraordinaire Jackie Singleton. Jackie's a key member of the stage management team at American Players Theatre, and she spent many seasons working with us here at Forward.
3: Hi, I'm Jackie Singleton. Uh, I'm a stage manager at American Players Theater here in Spring Green, Wisconsin, where I'm coming to you from my back porch. Uh, And I also, in the winters, now work at the Oslo Repertory Theater in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, And I do repertory theater. I'm a repertory theater stage manager. um, And that's relevant because of the story that I'm about to tell you. (laughs) Um, So when Jen asked me to come up with the play that stayed for me, I had a couple of thoughts. Um, Right at the beginning, I thought of, of course, my very first New York show, um, which was the off-Broadway production of Little Shop of Horrors in maybe 1983 or four. I can't remember. It ran for like five years off-Broadway, but I'm pretty sure I saw most of the original cast. So I'm guessing that I saw it in like seventh or eighth grade, 1983 Um, And I remember the vine boxes, they had boxes where the vines dropped down from the ceiling at the end of the show. Um, And that was like an amazing piece of stage magic to me that I had never seen before. Um, uh, And then the other show that I thought of was um, was around that time as well. I think it was 82. or 83 um at the roundhouse theater in bethesda maryland which is where i'm from um they uh did a production of antigone that year that really was like deeply moving to my 13 year old self like i just remember being just like blown away by that show uh in a way that i never expected to be which is sort of in you know being blown away by greek tragedy you know um, but the one show that uh, that, or the two shows that I'm going to talk about, um, are the shows that I did uh, that I was a production assistant, unpaid stage management assistant on at the Court Theater in Chicago in 1995. And that was the very first year that Charlie Knoll was the artistic director. And he had this grand ambition to do a rep of two shows. And those shows were uh, Misanthrope and Travesties um, by Tom Stoppard. And Travesties is really the show that stayed with me for a really long time. and I've gotten the chance to do it again at APT. Um, and I still love, love, love the show. Um, it's just so rewarding to be that deeply immersed in a show. And that was my sort of first experience of working with a really top flight um, Lort theater, working with really top flight actors, you know, where the production was like really intense. We did a lot of dramaturgy to sort of understand what was going on in the play. Um, We spent a lot of time around the table and then we got up and discovered that the show is almost impossible. Like it's so hard. Um, And that was sort of the most rewarding thing about it was that it was so hard and these actors just struggled and struggled and struggled and I ran lines with Larry Yando like every single day he was playing Henry Carr. I ran lines with him like every single day for like three weeks straight, because that that role is like sort of impossible line wise, because it has all these monologues that start out the same and then loop back on themselves. And uh, it's very, very difficult Um But Larry Yenda was in that cast and Ora Jones and Kevin Goodall and uh, 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 Hollis Resnick and John Rieger. I mean, it was just it was this amazing cast. And they were doing misanthrope as well, um, you know, in rap. And uh, that was really it was so much fun to do shows in rap something that I had never had a chance to do. And knowing that, you know, Larry could go out there and do Henry Carr that one night and then come back and do a silly um, uh, 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 cl- cladonomies or somebody in misanthrope the next day. And, uh, and he was so funny and so serious and everybody worked so hard at this and spent so much effort and intelligence. And it really gave me sort of a, um, a w- window into like, what theater could be. That wasn't what I had been doing up until then, which was storefront theater in Chicago, which is, which is also very serious. And people work really hard at that, but it was just, it was sort of at the next level. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. That's that next level I want to be at eventually in my career. And so I feel really fortunate now that I've been able to do those shows, Uh, that long ago in rep and now I'm working for two repertory companies and getting to do shows with fantastic actors and fantastic design teams and directors uh in in rep and um I don't know that's the show that stayed with me wonderful (laughs) they are
0: I did I did travesties in college
3: yeah yeah and
0: it there's something magical about that show because it's so I agree with you so hard um Uh, it's sort of nonsensical, Mm -hmm. but that ultimately makes profound sense. Yes. And, um, yeah, that's wonderful
2: that you got to work on that. I know there were different stage managers for the two 2014 APT productions. Did that's you great, work sure. with whomever was stage managing the earnest production in terms of thinking through the rep element for that, for the travesties you did, which, by the way, was off the charts amazing?
3: Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a really, really fun show to do. Um, we had the same ASM. So David Hardig, who's now one of our equity stage managers at APT, was, was actually in his I believe his final year of being a non-equity assistant for us and he assisted for both shows. So Aaron who stage managed, uh, uh, Ernest and I, um, were able to sort of, uh, David was like, you know, Bill who also directed both of those, Bill Brown, who directed both of them, um, would say something like, uh, I think we should go grab the flower arrangement from X scene in earnest and David would know exactly what was, what, what that was, you know, or I, uh, you know, is there any way we could try on the white shirt from blah, blah, blah. And David would be like, yes, I'll go get that. You know? So that was really
1: helpful. (laughs) How wonderful. wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rep is a truly magical thing. I think so too. People who know how to do it. (laughs) Jackie thank you for sharing that wonderful story with us thank you so much for
3: asking me to come and do it it was such an interesting thought exercise to like go back into the archives you know of my mind and be like okay so what's the show that I still think about 20 years into my career you know 20 30 years into my career what's what's the one that I still like think about so thanks for the
4: opportunity
0: Tyler Marchant is a director and educator who teaches acting and directing at UW-Stevens Point. Forward audiences know him from his work directing Outside Mullinger and Every Brilliant
3: Thing.
5: Well, um, my story starts back in 1997, um, I guess, which is about 24 years ago. Uh, I had some friends who were staying uh, and working in London and uh, it was at a point in my life where I decided to uh, jump on a plane and and head over there myself and uh, live in London for a while. And uh, I got got off the plane, and one of the the first things that we we did was uh, start talking about you know uh, the theater scene and what was going on. And uh, one of my friends uh, who who had studied theater in undergrad uh, said he, he had heard about this. Russian clown that was doing a show. And uh, that sounded interesting to me. I hadn't done a ton of uh, work in clowning at that point in, in my uh, theater career. And uh, so I said, yeah, let's, let's, let's check it out. And we went in kind of uh, blind. Uh, it was the Russian clown Slava Palunin who has gone on to kind of a lot of fame at this point. But his show was running at the old Vic. And we went in and it was called uh, Snow Show. And we sat down and really didn't know what to expect. And what transpired was this absolute magical show of whimsy, of uh, deep beauty and darkness uh, and playfulness. And I had, you know, I had. Grown up thinking about clowns, sort of in the Ringling Brothers uh, way of of, uh, of entertainment, and here was a clown who was deeply invested in uh, beauty and excavating beauty in these tiny moments, and it deeply influenced me in terms of thinking about this this idea of showing up to the theater and asking an audience or demanding an audience use their imagination to fill in the gap between the show and yourself as an audience member and saying what what work can i challenge the audience do to engage their imagination and learn the rules of the evening and that became deeply influential to me in terms of how i approached work i you know I certainly loved realism, and I loved a well-made play. Uh, that was super fun for me to to work on. But I started to think about plays in terms of uh, where where might we embrace that theatrical space and ask an audience to learn some new rules in order to get the most out of the experience that they can. And I loved sort of this silent investigation of what it means to be human that this Russian clowning aesthetic had to uh, peel away and 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 offer up to the audiences and And this was done through a lot of a lot of dark scenes, um you know, contemplation of of really heavy things. To really playful things and really funny and sincere um, moments that that uh, surprise an audience, and I think that sort of idea started to percolate in my my brain in a different way as a director, and I started to do a lot more research into sort of the Eastern European clown. Um, History and and experience, and uh, you know, I've I've done some writing about clowns. I've I've directed some some work with that that dealt with clowns, and I feel like beyond that, I know a lot of people are scared of clowns. But I think what was so great was this was a different kind of clown, and I found it to be really a huge impact in in directing my work, no matter what the play was, which was sort of the surprise of it um and i think that the the intimacy of the humanness of the the shared experience was what slava plunin was was able to do so well that show you know recently was was on broadway um and i think it's evolved a lot i think it's become a much more family oriented show than when i saw it back in 1997 i think it was not quite as kid friendly as it as it perhaps is and it's it's more recent incarnations but, uh, you know, it has this, this deep impact of taking something on stage and then throwing it out to the audience, kind of like a blue man group experience where um, all of a sudden the, the space feels very communal because of um, the inviting of the magic and then the participation directly, you know, his show ends and there's this giant snowstorm and it comes right at the audience and, and it's. the the giant balls come out from from stage and the audience is throwing these 10 12 foot uh, diameter balls up in the air and the show is sort of over but the audience is still playing and uh, we went back to it again and um, I've shared clips with it uh, of of the show with students um, and sort of asking them to engage in something that uh, uh, that is more than just the words on the page. And so I've carried that production with me for for many years. Um, and I know that that aesthetic and those questions that were raised from that performance uh, carry through uh, for me in my teaching and in every production that I direct. So um, many, many happy memories of that show and and maybe someday I'll see the more family-friendly version of it again. So that's my story. I love it.
1: You know, there's something, Tyler, because obviously doing these interviews has me constantly thinking what, what, what production would I talk about if I, you know, I'm answering the same question and, you know, there's different answers on different days of the week, but, but as a, as a director myself, it is always about those productions that I saw early in my own artistic development, where I saw someone do something I hadn't encountered before stylistically yeah. and how that sort of opened my own definition of what directors do and what yeah. theater does. And so I, I just loved hearing you tell that story because it even if it wouldn't have been the same, that exact production for me, it's the same kind of story.
5: Yeah, yeah. That that when when you realize, oh, that can happen, like okay. that can that can be something, <laughs> like what a wonderful gift uh you know where you keep expanding the things that are possible if we if we just engage the imagination and sort of uh accept that new experience yeah that's awesome
2: yeah for me as a one-time critic what resonates is is my analogy to what Jen just talked about is I see so many shows so many times and it's hard not to get jaded um, and to keep oneself with a childlike heart, openness to the possibility of surprise is important. And you delivered that for me with Every Brilliant Thing. It was the fourth production I had seen in like two and a half years, by far the best. Um, and just blew me away in ways that were not just valuable because of the the what you and Dee and Dee gave to, uh, to the forward audiences, but valuable for me and reminding me to sort of leave myself open to the possibilities that were there, and it was all about you, everything you've said could have been a description of what you brought to bear in terms of the collaboration with the audience and the community, uh, the community that got forged um, as a result. And I remain, particularly as it was the one of the last shows we saw at uh, you know before the pandemic, it, it's it's I've cherished it and held on to it. Um as a really great moment um, in my theater going career. so thank you and thank you for sharing a story that yeah. attaches to it.
5: Oh, thank you, Mike. That's really sweet. And um, yeah, certainly that 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 production um, will forever stay deep, deep in my heart for sure.
2: Milwaukee-based actor Raina Roman has been thrilling me on stages all over Wisconsin for as long as I can remember. She's performed on stages throughout Wisconsin and in forward productions of Mr. Burns, Exit Strategy, and Life Sucks. She is also a member of the Forward Advisory Company of Artists, where I continue to see her amaze in different ways than she amazes all of you on, on stage.
6: Hi, it's so good to be here. And I know you guys can't see... Us, but it's good to see these faces too, even in little boxes. Um, okay, so a story about a show that uh, changed things for me or stuck with me or influenced me in some way. Um, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I'm going to go for it. Um, I am taken all the way back to Lend Me a Tenor, uh, Milwaukee Chamber Theater, Directed by C. Michael Wright. Um, uh, the play has, you know, you, you can, on any form has, has problems, but it is uh, it was the first farce I ever did. And I had only previously been um, an appreciator of farce. So I um, was so excited to get to participate in something that fast paced and silly and be in a room with um, some incredibly, incredibly gifted comedians. Um, I, the reason that this play was so influential, um, was the strength of the character that I was playing. I played Maria, the, uh, very, very ballsy Italian wife. Um, and, um, the role, it it was the first time that uh, something was ever offered to me, um, just like right out of the gate, like it was just an offer, you'd be perfect for this. And um, after reading the script, I think I was just so surprised that uh, I was the first person that Michael thought of because she was so strong and bold and loud and unapologetic. And I didn't see myself that way. Um, And so it was very curious to me that someone who I knew well and adored Saw me that way, um, and so it it took me on a little bit of a journey. From there on out, if I look down my resume on um, the types of roles that then I did put myself out there for and and did um, get to perform, um, I had to take the time to marry the way that other people saw me versus the way that I saw myself, and those at that time weren't congruent. Um. And I, I really think that that was kind of the a, a, a start of a really beautiful journey for me in finding um, my voice and my strength and my foundation. And it, it took someone who I know loved me very much uh, doing that on kind of unintentionally. It wasn't like, you know, it was trying to enlighten me in some way. <laughs> it does not be a, a great part in a great show. Um, so. Yeah, I I thought about it a lot over the last week. And I know it seems like a, maybe a, 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 it's not a frivolous show, but, you know, it's not the deepest show I ever did. And it's certainly, um, uh, yeah, but that, it changed, it definitely changed
1: my perception of, of, of my capabilities, I think. It's an experience I've had over and over again. From the other side of that equation as a director where Mm -hmm. I've I've made offers to actors to play roles that they have said to me, I I don't see myself as this character, or I I don't understand why you're casting me as this character. Mm -hmm. And um, that can feel really good to be the person saying, no, no, I see this other thing in you too. Uh, And so I love hearing Sort of the other side of that
2: experience. Yeah, it, it's I, I love it as obviously not as a director in Jen's role, but you know, for me, Raina, I mean, I meant what I said in the introduction. I mean, you know, you're in the best sense, and I mean, this is the highest possible compliment—a chameleon on stage—and to see you play so many different types of characters goes to the heart of what you're saying saying here, and it's 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 a real. I'm in awe and admire any actor, but to admire once you can do it as well as you can, it's just, it, it, it's a privilege to watch it. And it was fun to watch that show. Um, not one of my favorite shows, you know, I have to be honest, but when I went in, I, you all just gave me a great time and you were a huge part of that.
6: That means a lot coming from you, Mike. I really do appreciate that, um, that one. And there's been a few since um, where, because of the cast, and the the level of of talent that was on that stage, um, that was a show that we all felt like we could do for a really long time. And there's been a handful since then where you're just like every moment start to finish, rehearsal, show, um, camaraderie afterwards that you just you could live this life for a solid year <laughs> and never get tired of it, you know so that was yeah that pe- the people make such a huge difference. Um, just incredible people in a room make magic.
1: Angela Iannone is legendary throughout Wisconsin as an actor, playwright, and teacher working extensively on stages across the state. Here in Madison, she starred in our production of Sons of the Prophet. Angela's also one of the world's leading experts on the storied career of Edwin Booth about whom she's written a series of phenomenal plays. Welcome, Angela.
4: Hey, excellent to see everyone today. I was really excited about this prompt. Um, For creative artists, this kind of prompt, what sort of thing affected you? What sort of thing stuck with you? And the wide open nature of, it could be anything. It could be something you worked on, something that you saw, something that you heard about. Uh, That really sets your mind racing and you start reviewing all the important things about the creative arts that have the power to affect us in different ways so I was really tickled about it and then of course spent you know I I heard I was asked about this project a couple of weeks ago and then you just sort of lacerate yourself like no that doesn't sound important enough that sounds really self-centered what kind of story am I going to tell what's that going to tell about me Which, of course, are the questions we ask about art anyway. (laughs) It doesn't matter which form. But um, originally what I plucked from the prompt was what performance uh, affected you deeply and changed you? And I have to say, although there are two, one of them was a live experience and one of them was a recorded experience, which is an interesting thing in and of itself, given where we are. In, um, in performing arts right now, live or Zoomed? Live or streamed? Um, so I'm just gonna talk a little bit. Of course, the first one I went to was what live performance did you see? And I was really, really blessed, very fortunate to have seen Frank Langella as Salieri in Amadeus on Broadway and Of course, I was always a big fan of Frank Langella after that, I think, 1979 Dracula. He was the thing, uh, at least for me. Uh, And then to get the chance to see him in a role like Salieri in a highly theatrical play like Amadeus uh, was just, you know, my head blew up. The thing about him as the performer that stuck with me particularly and became everything I really love about theater and the kind of performer that I really love. He really set that standard for me because he was quintessentially graceful and unabashedly so. He never seemed to stop moving. His gestures were so fluid and so connected and they would start, it seemed, at his brain or his heart And continue to move out in space and continue to twist and turn and become more and more specific. That a thought would move out from his brain and he would just curl this gesture. And it was like watching a snake. You couldn't take your eyes off of it and it was hypnotic. And at the same time, it was incredibly specific. It was obviously a beautifully crafted performance there wasn't one single second that he hadn't thought about and so you could it, it was like those people who can visualize music in their in the air he was visualizing the music of this text and it came out into space and and hit you and you you kept f- feeling like wow i have to duck that incredibly sharp comment or draw you in it was like he sent out these tendrils and pulled you in by your heart so that I sat there with my mouth half open and my brain absolutely all those those pictures of the neural net and everything firing and lighting up and I said to myself that that is the kind of performer I want to be one who connects everything to the physical and then you know such an intellectual performance so clearly thought out you followed his arc of thought in every single scene and he was not afraid to gesture not afraid to completely lean into any moment with his body so that the moments of stillness became really tense and suspenseful and sometimes really frightening in that play as you Even when he wasn't gesturing, you had become so familiar with his patterns that you knew that was dangerous. So it was, it's never left me. Uh, And I always think about that's the kind of performer that I wanna be. Unabashedly, unafraid to gesture, unafraid to connect the intellectual, uh, so smart, breathing into everything, wasn't afraid to let us hear him breathe, take a breath, expel a breath. It was just so beautifully crafted, beautifully, beautifully crafted. And it's never left me to this day. Uh, And I was quite young, scandalously young, when I observed that performance. And then in the same vein When I was in undergraduate school, we were shown the video performance of Zoe Caldwell as Medea in that stunning Medea that she did on Broadway with Judith Anderson as the nurse and just an incredibly conceived production. And it was the same kind of thing. Beautifully, beautifully gestured, incredibly thought through. And then, of course, she's working in verse. But. You lost your fear of structured language based on how she was handling it. And uh, again, set a gold standard for me personally, uh, super intelligent, connecting all the thoughts, unafraid to breathe, unafraid to gesture, unafraid to take her time, which I think both of those actors are. Um, Just going to, I'm not just gonna zoom my way through this. I'm going to sit in these things and let you see me thinking. So those are the two performances that I have observed. Uh, And then of course, when I played Medea years later, I stole absolutely everything in terms of the structure and how I was uh, going to approach the text and how I was going to move through it, Uh, just went, yeah. That's what I want to do with this particular project, and uh, I kind of think that I've I've held that structure as I've moved through my career. That um, that understanding and connecting the intellectual, uh, using the gesture, crafting the performance, uh, all of those things are so important to me. But it kind of really all goes back to that first performance, Frank Langella, uh, just a master class in craft your performance, construct it with intelligence and heart. So that's my story.
1: (laughs) It truly, truly is. I I felt listening to that, like I was listening to you describe what it's like to watch you on stage. Oh, thank you. And I saw that Medea in person. That's when I was living in New York and, ooh, boy. Yeah, it was all those things.
2: Yeah, Yeah. yeah. she was awesome. It, that that Medea, um, your Medea, Angela, was you know, I'm, I've probably said a dozen times in print over over the years that it is a lodestar for, for me. And you can say all you want that you stole this or stole that. I mean, Shakespeare stole too. Stealing's the beginning of all great art. And what you <laughs> gave us that day um, was great art. It's the best Medea. I have never seen the film you're talking about of the ones Medea's I've seen. Your Medea is the best Medea um hands down and it's because of the things that w- you've just been describing for us.
1: Oh. Thank it- you for describing that so gorgeously and articulately Angela with with intel- intelligence and heart right you, you described what it's like for a, for a smart feeling actor to create a role and what it's like to take it in as an audience member that was beautifully done. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much to Jackie Singleton, Tyler Marchand, Raina Roman, and Angela Iannone for joining us. And thank you for joining us as well. I'm Jen Opoff-Grey. I'm Julie Swenson.
2: And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter at Theater Forward, as always with an E-R.
0: And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in and be sure to leave a comment.
1: We'd love to hear from you. We're so grateful to have you listening and we'll be back soon for another Theater Forward Conversation.